It's time for the Hadit.com radio show. Hadit.com radio is an in-depth look at all things VA. If you need help with the VA, log on to Hadit.com. Now, here's your host, Gerald Cook. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to the Hadit podcast on this 16th day of February 2017. Now, we're here with our co-host, Jay Basser, and her guest speaker today is Alex Graham. He's running a little bit late. I am and not. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> well, doggone, you didn't even give us a chance to talk about you. But anyway, how are you doing today, Alex? I'm doing good. My pacemaker's strong. It's got a 13-year battery. I'm ready to rock and roll. Oh, you're good for 13 years anyway. There you go. But uh, that's good. Let's say today, uh, uh, you know, is. You mentioned when we were talking that thing left a a lump on you. Oh, kind of did it ever? Out there. If you if you know exactly what those old iPhone Apple iPhone i four the the smaller ones before they came out with the six and the seven, it's yeah. the same size as the i four. I mean, it's a dead ringer for it. And it's sticking out of my chest just like if you stuck a pack of Marlboros into your front pocket on a T-shirt. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it's just a little bit higher. It's about three inches above my left boob. <laughs> you should have told them you wanted a pair of them. <laughs> yeah, I'd give a whole new meaning to a boob job, wouldn't I? Yeah, yeah it would. Well, I think yeah, it hurts more than that. I can't even raise my arm up above my shoulder. My left arm, it's forbidden for six weeks. I can't get my hand up there above my shoulder or my arm or any of it above I the shoulder. I bet shorts. it is sore. Well, it is. Yeah, I can imagine. The only thing they didn't put on there was a button to button the pocket down. But I'll tell you yeah. what, I just pulled the tape off yesterday or this morning when I got in the shower. Some of it was falling off. I pulled the rest of it off, and it got left a nasty, ugly scar across there. I don't know what they were thinking. It's—I mean, it's a big, wide thing. If I—if I didn't scare everybody with my belly, I'll sure give them a rise out of this one. I'm starting to look like Frankenstein. Well, maybe you can get another. Uh, is that uh, something you can claim on the BA? Oh, God, Gerald, I'm 290%. What do I need another 10% for scars for? <laughs> well, it don't matter. You're entitled to it, man. Do it. <laughs> I, I was just talking about that one yesterday. I was thinking about, well, should I just go ahead and file for my heart and get another 100%? That's what everybody needs is three 100% um, we call it scheduler ratings. That's a... That's a bit much. I, I feel sorry. I'd rather give another veteran a shot at getting an adjudication or a notice of disagreement straightened out without clogging up the system with me. Yeah. I know some vets over 500%, Alex. <laughs> well, I, I milked them for about all the money I'm going to get until I get my wheelchair license. No, Did you get your greenhouse set up? How's that? Did you get your greenhouse set up? No, sir, I didn't. Uh, last time I checked, the uh, the guy from the VR&E office over in Seattle said, well, we've uh, got a production engineer, so now we have a production s- schedule you changed your lighting from the 1,000-watt halides to the variable LED lights, which are 800 bucks a pop, and the ones that you were going to get were $228. And so we had to go out and get a, a reacquisition and our authorization for a couple $10,000 more for the new lights. So 
Now the oh. greenhouse is creeping up to 160,000. <laughs> Good God. <laughs> yeah. You can build sell tickets to that thing just to walk people through there. Well, and it's, it's well, they're jumping you around, but it ain't to get busy. <laughs> yeah, they they've given up trying to fight me. They just want to get out of there, get it built, get out of there, put that new composting twenty eight hundred dollar toilet in, and hit the road, Jack. Let us free. <laughs> I I feel another tor- or another uh, writ of mandamus coming on there, bro. They ain't doing nothing. They need to get action that building that sucker. Yeah, well, I understand that they've got to go out and get a contractor. They got to go get a building permit. They got to organize who's going to sublet the contract for the concrete, sublet the contract for the greenhouse structure, and then subcontract the plumbing and the electrical. And you know how that goes. Everybody's you can't find one. Don't company they have a project manager? It. What's that? Don't they have a project manager? They have a a production manager who supervises it for the VA, and then they have Uh a uh, GAO contractors that all bid on it, whoever gets, I guess, the lowest bid. Hell, with the government, maybe it's whoever has the highest bid wins. Maybe it's whoever related to the the production manager wins it gets the money. I don't know. These companies got engineers that that are project managers, and they're supposed to... uh, to uh, run interference for all this crap. They should, they should have already, they, you, should, you should have already had your greenhouse, buddy. They're jerking you well, around. Well, yeah, I did, like I said, I did throw that little wrinkle into it when they finally agreed they were going to build it for me. I, uh, this gal that owns or does my hair, she's, she also owns one of those indoor growing supply houses, and she says, don't buy the halogens because you got to replace the bulbs every year, and they're about $225. Just tell him you want these uh, uh, new halogen fixtures. They're like 850 a pop, and you never have to change the bulbs in them, and they use 70% less power. And Cassian says, I'm going to be paying the power bill. That sounds pretty good to me. Oh, yeah. It might be you spend more for the fixture up front, but you get a better fixture, and it lasts forever. And then the other thing is you can adjust the light on it, which which bandwidth of light. Like if you're trying to grow to get green, just stem growth to make them go up, then you use one combination of, of per lighting or whatever it is, some percentage of red, ultraviolet, and blue and all that. And then when you want them to make the, the bud out or get finished at the end and grow the tomatoes, you change the lighting to a different setting and and that uh it 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 forces them into producing the fruit or whatever so it's a far superior light bulb even if it costs more money i just figured now they're into it so deep what's a few more ten thousand dollars <laughs> and i guess they they agreed with me they all all they want to do is get the sucker built and Get in their cars and feet feet out of here and never look back over their shoulder again. <laughs> I, I've been kind of a pill in the pocket there for, and like a rock in their shoe for five years. I'd say you are. Uh, uh, how long it took five years? Blueprint for everybody else to know how to do it. Tell them it's getting about time to plant your tomatoes. They better get in gear. I gotta start my seeds here directly. No, yeah. Yep. Warm as it's been around here, you could done better. Yeah, I I think last year, the guy that owns uh, Sunny Crest Nursery down here, the people give me all my potting soil and stuff. They uh, give me a whole bunch of seeds and like an idiot I planted every one of them and I tug them all apart and next thing you know I had about four or five hundred tomato starts in my greenhouse and no room for them we got them all sold that's good got them all planted so they weren't lost but amazing I have real good luck on uh, germinating those things in, in uh, this stuff called gardener's gold ah gardener's magic gold. dirt jack and the beanstalk production stuff 
Well, you know what? I wanted to talk to you, your burgeoninghadit.com and asknod.org audience today about decision review officer hearings because uh, I've learned quite a bit about them and talking with my uh, Board of Veterans Appeals judge friends up there in Washington, D.C., they're all waving their hands violently and saying, get it done at the RO, don't come here, it's a four-year delay. We're just getting into stuff from 2014 right now, and it, chances are, that I mean, that's early, like late 2013, early 2014, and they're telling me, it says, if you can figure out how to get those things into the winter column at the regional office by hook or by crook, do it. Because if you end up having to go to the BVA, it's not their fault. If they're only going to hire 79 judges, then that's the way it's going to be. And those guys can't be pushed into rushed justice. It just doesn't work. You can only read a claims file just so fast, even if you've been to the Evelyn Wood speed reading course. You can't absorb it quickly enough. Every claim is unique. It's got different things to it. No two claims have the same set of circumstances, or damn few of them do, I'd say. So if you can avoid going to the BVA, your, your smart money is on a decision review officer hearing where you can look that guy down the barrel of the gun and tell them what they're doing wrong and present new material evidence. Don't go into a de- don't go into a decision review officer hearing without new and material evidence that's going to rock uh, roll their socks down rather. <clears throat> If you just go in there and try to argue your claim and just say, sir, you're just not seeing it the way I'm seeing it, you're not going to win. You have to go in there and prove to them by the preponderance of the evidence that you're right and here are the reasons you're right and here's even more evidence to stack on top of there like seeing them and raising them in a poker game, putting a few more chips in the pot. And saying this, and and here's why, and here's some stuff you haven't even looked at yet. And uh, usually, that's going to be the winning ticket for you at the regional office level. And there, I I'll, I know for a fact there are certain claims that you cannot win, like a jet gun claim. You can have all the evidence in the world. You could have 16 doctors standing there in the room with you. So. Mr. Graham got this hepatitis C from that dang jet gun, and here's a copy of one. Here's one. You can look at it right here, and we'll even shoot it into a banana and show you what happens and and prove to you with a pork shoulder that it'll squirt, it'll tear the skin, and that DRO will look you in the face and (laughs) nod his head like a bobblehead doll on your dashboard there and promptly deny it and kick it up to the BVA because they just don't have the authority to approve it at the local level. It's just it's too contentious. There's just nothing you can do to win it at the net, at the local level. It can't be done. There's TBI claims that are frequently like that. There are PTSD claims where you've done something to queer the deal and and the, the uh adjudicators there at your local RO are looking at you and saying, man, he doesn't have PTSD. He's faking it. He's malingering. or he, he, he is, It's a personality disorder. It's not PTSD. They're, they're getting... There's just certain claims you'll just never get out of the regional office. You, they just Either they don't have the authority to do it or... Uh, I'm, I'm not sure. A long, long time ago, back in the early 2000s, they used to have what was called the Excessive Awards Program, and they developed this thing where if it was over $100,000, the local regional office was required by law to send it to Washington, D.C., and the director of compensation and pension would take a long, hard look at it, and he'd have to put his signature on it. <clears throat> Well, uh, 
think it was the military order the Purple Heart caught wind of this, and they sued the VA to stop it. And they won in 2007. I can't remember the exact case. But it, it amounts to having an extra adjudication, like, you win it at the B. The, you win it at the local level at your VARO, but you don't win it until they get the signature back from Washington. Say, yeah, it's okay. Yeah, go ahead and give them the money, but you know, check with us first. So they de- declared that against the law, and ever since then, everybody in the regional office gets a little gun shy when that gets up to be a hundred fifty, two hundred fifty, three hundred thousand dollar back pay settlement. They get a little queer. They don't want to sign that check because it's almost a, a black mark on their bonus awards program for Christmas. They don't get that Christmas <laughs> bonus when they're giving all of VA's money away, so they find some silly-ass reason to deny it. Or whether it's even good or else they'll say, well, it would just be speculative on my part for me to say that this is caused by that, and I can't do that as a doctor. I refuse to sign that piece of paper because I, I can't do it. Should be able to do it, but they don't. So that that goes up to the BVA. And I think, I hate to say it, but the thing I'm going into next week, this this decision review officer hearing, I'm afraid that this guy is just going to look at it. It's going to be as obvious as the nose on his face that they got to give Butch the money, but it's over a million dollars, and they're just going to, they're just going to seize up when you put the check in their hand, and they can't, their hand will start shaking so bad they can't sign the check. And they'll find some silly-ass reason to boot it up to D.C. so it won't be on them. It won't be on their record that they gave all the VA's money away and all the bonus money for all the people at the local office here in Seattle. That's all going out the window here on one claim. <laughs> Is there any way to call that back, Alex, after it's been sent to D.C.? (laughs) Request another D.R.O. hearing. Well, you know, I I didn't have a D.R.O. hearing. I just knew they weren't going to approve mine locally. That's why I I just (laughs) took the traditional path that went to the BVA instantly. And even then they denied it. It was just too much. Sent it up to the Court of Veterans' Appeals. Before we even got into the front door, the, about six months after we got there, right when it came to oral argument, the lady came to Bob Walsh just ten seconds before oral argument and said, "Excuse me, excuse me, Bob, Bob, can we settle this out of court here? Come here, <laughs> we'll give you, we'll give Alex the money. Don't worry, it's okay. I'm sorry, we just didn't see that before." So. It's it's a delaying tactic more than it is a denial tactic. They know you're going to win. You know you're going to win. But it's just who's going to be the fall guy and put a signature on the check? And they darn near almost want somebody up at the highest level up on 810 Yellow Brick Road in D.C. to be the guy that says give him his money. It doesn't look good. You don't get a lot of promotions after you do stupid things like get Alex's claim or Butch's claim. So they... They tend to just deny it, even though they don't have a logical reason to do so. And they eventually pay it out. But it's a delaying tactic, as I said. And while we're on the subject of that, there's another interesting thing about DRO hearings that I've noticed over the years. It's becoming rarer now because with the Internet, Everyone being able to see this stuff almost in real time, Board of Veterans Appeals, they've got uh, uh, the transcripts. It all goes online now in in the BVA uh, appeals. Uh, You see them all printed up and published. Uh, And then, of course, there's idiots like me, my site, and your site over there at Haddock where guys come on there and they – They kind of sanitize their records, but they publish them so veterans are starting to see how VA operates. And one of the things they used to do with BVA hearings, or not BVA, excuse me, DRO hearings, is that DRO bring out the snake oil right right when you all sat down at the table there, and he'd rub his hands together and say, you know what, 
if we don't record this, if we just have us a nice little chat off the record, I can give you an answer today as to whether I'm going to grant your claim. But if you want to record that thing, why? It's going to take six months to get it transcribed, and then maybe six months, a year from now, I'll get around to taking a look at it and making a decision. So if you want some money, now we might want to play poker today rather than uh, reschedule the poker game for a year from now because it's probably about that long before I even get a decision out to you. There's a lot of veterans that go, okay, let's just do it off the record because I want some instant gratification. I want to know today if I won. That old DRO officer, he'd rub his hands together and he'd go, that's just delicious. Well, what do you got? So you give him everything and he listens to it. At the end of the thing, he takes his little hammer, figuratively, slams it down the gavel and says, denied. Fill out your form 90, 60 days, Jack. So nowadays, most veterans realize that if they're going to go on appeal, and if they're going to go for a DRO, they're probably going to go for an appeal. If they got that much skin in the game, they're not going to bail out after a DRO hearing that goes south on them. But what you have is these veterans say, you know, that's okay. We'll go ahead and go with this on the record. And the DROs, they don't like that because that becomes a permanent part of the record. And if if they rule against you, and they shouldn't have, even though there really aren't any consequences for it, it is going to reflect back on them when it goes up to the Board of Veterans' Appeals. The Board uh, the Veterans' Law Judge takes one gander and says, what the hell was this guy thinking? I'm, I'm going to overrule it, send it back to the VA, tell him to get a C&P exam, get this guy rated, and get him his money. Pronto, do it. So if they don't see any money in, in nowadays in doing that. They, uh, if they just if you say, I want this on the record, they just they don't fight you over it anymore. They don't try to hornswoggle you with the, I'll give you an instant decision tomorrow morning. So most of them, generally speaking now, are on the record so that the most amount of information ends up in the C file for a veteran's law judge or, more appropriately, if you're forced to, when you go up to the Court of Veterans' Appeals, you have a really good, solid, what they call an ROP, Record of Proceedings. It's also called the RBA, Record Before the Agency, everything that transpired at the at your regional office and at the Board of Veterans' Appeals. It, it is your claims file, but it's also the BVA's decision on your claim and all the pertinent history. Well, if you've got a recording of that transcript and it's all printed up and it goes into the C file, it's more damning evidence in your favor, usually. I can't ever say that a hearing I've ever attended or, or helped another veteran with uh, where it, it went south on me. I've had him where the guy looks you right in the face, smiles politely, and said, denied, even though the evidence... Everything pointed in another direction. The guy just, it tells you, they weren't going to grant anyway. I don't care if Jesus was sitting right beside you. Hey, he's my bro, man. Uh, here's my buddy statement. Let me sign that. What, you want it signed in blood? Jesus of Christ? Yes, okay. It, it wouldn't make any, it wouldn't help. But in this day and age, because of the backlog being what it is, People are winning their their uh, DRO review hearings. They're winning them increasingly more because they're learning the, the name of the game. You don't just go in there and say, hey, man, what about the benefit of the doubt? You guys should have given me this because <clears throat> everything looks just like this here and here and here. But if you don't arrive with new evidence, a new nexus letter, a new IMO, IME, whatever, <clears throat> you don't arrive in there with some really solid evidence that takes the DRO officer off the hook so such that he can say, well, the guy came in and he was, I mean, he was flush. He had, a, he had four aces, king high. What, we don't have a leg to stand on. We got a grant. You, you want to go in there in a poker game where you know you've already won it before you get there. That's the way I could describe it. <laughs> 
But uh, well, that being a part of your record, Alex, I run I into an issue where whenever I got the transcript of the DRO hearing, there's a lot of unaudibles in it. Yeah, they do so, that a lot in uh, football games too, where the the quarterback does an audible, <laughs> inaudible, <laughs> audible, <laughs> unaudible. <laughs> what I do, Gerald. And and, and uh, I said, well, what's all this unaudible stuff? Uh, I mean, you know, numerous, numerous, and always when when it's unaudible, is is when you're presenting evidence to your side of the case. That's correct, um, and there's a reason and, for that. And uh, to me... He uses cheap recorders. <laughs> well, yeah, absolutely. I recommend taking any, any veteran going to a DRO hearing to take their own own recorder. Yeah, and, these new uh, cell phones, you can get an audible app, just a pure microphone, or if you thought you got a big enough battery, or they'll allow you to plug in there. I'd put it on video, too, but they might blow an ass gasket on you if you wanted to do the video. There's a lot of people probably might object to that. I'll be doing an audible on mine, doing my own recording in addition to VA doing theirs, and, uh, and I... And this is a, you're, you just presented a classic example of why, as you can offer to <clears throat> supplement the record, if you will, by lo- allowing them to get a copy of your side of the recording, or you can even go back in there and present it as evidence and say, you, you guys have got an inaudible here, and here's what was said. And you just turn on your recorder and say, here, mine's, mine's a, is very audible in case you guys want to use it instead. So you can use that to clear things up. But That's the, the a good majority yeah. of that hearing is not so much a transcript of it. That transcript becomes more important when you get denied and go up to the next level of appeal. Um, the That's the only value for the transcript. The real value of the hearing is you, one-on-one, as, as the agent, non-attorney practitioner, or attorney, or whatever, in conjunction with your client, your veteran, and you're looking this jackwad in the eye, and you're going, okay, look, buddy, here's what your regulation says. Now, if we use your regulation and just your regulation alone, and we'll take Mr. Long and my thoughts on the subject out of it, if we just look at the regulation and apply Mr. Long's physical details to the regulation, it proves that he's entitled to this, 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 and this. Now, you've chosen otherwise, and we're going to present the evidence that rebuts why you came to that conclusion in 1970, and we're going to show you that you should have rated him 40% times 12 times instead of 10% times one time back in 1970, and he sh- why you should get PT and D, uh, PT, PNT, TDIU from 70 all the way through to now. He's got retained metal fragments in his eye. Therefore, you have to give it to him for this. You got this, so you owe him that. He's got this, you owe him that. And here's all the records that prove it that weren't, in the C file in 1970, but now I'm going to give them to you. So there's no excuse for you not to go back to 1970 with these service department records and re-adjudicate his claim de novo, meaning brand new redo. This is if 1970 never happened ever before. And there's really no wiggle room there because now they have all the records. They can't purposefully turn their head, look up at the sky, and say, I can't see it. I can't see it. You're, you're going to stick it into them and make them see it. But you're going to use that hearing, that one glorious hour that you have this idiot chucklehead's undivided attention, and you're going to hand each thing to them. You're going to say, here's Exhibit A, Your Honor. Child, you know, He likes to be called Coach or Cheryl Ann or whatever her or his name happens to be. You say, Cheryl Ann... Here's here's the uh, here's Mr. here's the 
records from 312 Chulai Aravac Hospital. See that? It says right there they they decided not to debride him because they didn't even get him to the emergency room until 430 because they had to deal with the other guys that had their legs blown off. So they had to do triage. So it says right here, see that? They're not going to debride him and anesthetize him. They're just going to send him on to Da Nang to the 95th Aravac Hospital, and they're going to debride him up there, and then they're going to send him to Camp Zama because he's blind. And they go, yeah, okay, yeah, yeah, I'll roger that, Mr. Graham. Okay, we got 312. I said, okay, here's the 95th Aravac records, and you guys never had these. And you didn't see it right here, the x-ray report, multiple minute fragments, face, eyes, right side of head, retained metal fragments, shoulder, scapula, back, legs, rib cage, thighs, left and right hand. Uh, impossible to breed all the wounds. They're just too numerous. We, you know, where do you stop scrubbing and where do you start? And they, none of that is in the record, so you get to you just absolutely overwhelm them with it. I got 127 pages of records they've never seen before because they went didn't go looking for them, and we did. And it's all brand new. It's not in the C file. I'm going to give them 65 pages of it, and I'm holding about 67 back just in case they play. <laughs> they don't play poker legally with me, and I'll take that up to the BVA if they if they try to deny on us. So that's just a a smart move, is you don't put all your chips out there at one time, and you sure don't let them see you know what your whole card is. Keep that off to the side where they don't know. Keep them off balance. If you think, if they think you still have even more damning evidence in your pocket that you haven't put on the table, and what you have put on the table more than makes your case, you're gonna, you're gonna, you know, they're gonna stamp, stampede them right into a decision in your favor. But you know they're gonna lowball you. But at least you start tipping the, the tree off in the right direction when you take it down. When they give up, they're not going to give all the way up, but they'll give you a lot the first time. hope you just go away. You know that. Oh, yeah. It's like every guy that's ever filed a claim. <clears throat> he filed a claim for bad back, peripheral neuropathy, diabetes, mellitus, and about 17 other things, and threw in the tinnitus. The one thing you knew he was going to win was the tinnitus before he even got there. <laughs> It'd be for zero percent. They wouldn't give him ten percent right off the bat, but you know he'd at least win the hearing loss claim because that that doesn't pay any money. Except for Buck, we we know Buck fifty two. He, he must have some serious hearing loss because he's getting paid pretty good percent for it. Uh, Alex, we have a caller in here. Caller, are you in there? Well, I sure am. Oh, that uh, Gerald, like Bill this, this is Bill Sheikah, Captain, Captain Contaminate. Well, Captain Contaminate, you got a question or comment for Alex? Well, I just walked in the door. I had to, was with my grandson. Alex, how are you doing? Hey, I'm alive. I, what can I say? I never thought I was going to get out of Vietnam alive, so this is all gravy time. Well, you know, that's really Incredible because Gerald and I never thought we would get out of Fort Greeley alive. There's <laughs> <laughs> some bad so, places to be in the world. <laughs> I just I just wanted to call in on the show and be a part of it uh, with y'all and the claims process. Uh, certainly, uh, in, it's so important that our veterans understand fully what they're up against. Uh, and, and I think we talked about it last week, Gerald and I and John, uh, on the show, and the process has not gotten better. It's gotten worse. Uh, is Dr. Shulkin going to be our man? Hmm. He's certainly a very fine person, but we've had some other fine persons in the VA. But it is that regional office that is where all of the problems for the veterans really points. It is that place that allows the backlog it's that place that allows the veteran to be uh, uh, disassembled, denied, delayed. And, you know, we all know the battles. We've, we've been there. Well, think of it like the feudal process in old England. You've got 56 castles with 56 princes. 
and you got one king down there in London at the round table, and all those little feudal places, those all those little castles off in the in the countryside, all think that they run their little fiefdoms just exactly the way they want to. No VA secretary has ever been able to put his foot down and corral them and all bring them to heel and do his bidding. Each one of them thinks that they run their own show. It's unique to them. I've seen it when you go from one regional office to another. Everyone has a slightly different way of doing things. There's nothing uniform about it. It makes it very difficult for an, a VA advocate to operate in those situations where you think everything's uniform. 338 uh, CFR should be uniformly applied over all 56 regional offices, and it's not. That It's sad, but it's not. So you you almost have to play their game or at least give them a little bit of slack, a little bit too much slack maybe so you can clothesline them with it. But you always have to you know have a game plan and be able to adapt to each regional office and how they're going to argue and fight with you. Some of them don't like guys that come from out of town. They like dealing with their own veteran service officers locally because they all get to know them, play golf, and go bowling with them, and, and they develop a relationship with them. And they pretty much tell the VSO boys how to operate. And yes. they all kowtow to their, those raiders. Uh, VA agents and attorneys don't kowtow to anyone except for the veteran himself. They do his bidding. They don't. They don't cotton to doing somebody else's work for them. So it's an no. interesting process. Uh, if Shulkin can bring these guys to heel, he will have done something no guy before him has ever been able to do. Well, uh, I that couldn't, to be couldn't agree more. At least you got the right president in there that would actually step up and step up to the job and say, I'm behind you 100% on this. We're going to make it work this time. It's going to be different. Well, I really, if if we I can, want to see it happen, <laughs> uh, Alex, if we can get uh, the president and get uh, Dr. Shulkin to understand, our problem is with the decision process. It is dead. It cannot work. It's broken. It can't be fixed. They've proven it. And when we see the suicide rate. I still believe it's at least 24 or 25 a day. I do not believe that it dropped to 22, and there's no reason for it to. It's gotten worse. The problem is a mainstream problem of denial, and the veteran, what does he do? He is so frustrated, he takes his own life. This is unheard of. It's unprecedented. It's never happened in our society like this, and that proves that there is definitely a problem within the regional offices. I have always felt that RICO was a violation uh, of that process, just as our friend Mike Davis, who Gerald and I, I think you know him too, Alex, he, he uh, is a proponent of, of that, of the RICO process, which was conspiracy, fraud, and racketeering that goes on in these regional offices. It is criminal. And we have to we have to look at these folks as what they do is criminal. They're not there to help a veteran. They're there to deny that veteran he has no due process. Um, an illegal alien actually has more rights than a veteran, and we we uh, we're at that point now. Well, you you know you've touched on a hundred good things, but these aren't things that I can spend my time. Uh, dealing with, I'm, I'm fully aware of each one of those things, and I guess the thing that scares me the most is now we have a VA secretary who's predominantly uh, fixated on repairing the medical side of, of exactly. the house. That's where and, it came from, Alex. The health the administration side, side of the house. To me, that's where the problem is. The medical side will sort itself out. They just hire the right people, quit sticking stupid regulations in there and quit hiring those senior executive surface uh, chuckleheads who are just lining their own nest for 20 years and cheating in, in the process of doing it. It doesn't right. bother me. I can't get myself wrapped around all the inequities uh, uh, and things like I know for a fact, you know it, 12% to 15% of all claims 
presented are, are approved first time out. I don't care if you ate a hand grenade. You know, you're going to go in there and show obvious wounds, and you're going to get service connected. For the rest of the veterans, the other 85%, if you don't have shell fragment wounds, if you're not missing fingers, toes, eyes, arms, exactly. legs, you're going to get denied, and you're going to have to go hop through the hoops and do all the stuff, go through the DRO or up to the BVA before you win. It's a denial, delaying, uh, delaying and denial process. Because there's X number of slots. You, you know, you can't have an army full of generals at 100%, so to speak. You've got majors, you have field grade, you've got that command structure uh, up to the general level. It, and the VA only has X number of money, uh, amount of money, to pay, let's say, 100% or TDIU claims. There's just X number of, month, uh, of bucks uh, available. So when a guy actually transitions from 60% and legitimately deserves TDIU, he's not going to get it until the World War II or the Korean vet or whoever dies and creates an open yeah. slot for that 100% or TDIU. Yes. He, he, yeah. he can't get there. He'll be denied until there's a room there on the program for him. And they'll pay him retroactively, but they just can't pay two guys at the same time because there's not enough bucks there. That's the problem. It, well, it might be re you can call it whatever you want. I call it due process, but basically it's a situation where you can't get justice until there's room for the justice to be enacted. And yeah, my situation, the way I look at it now that I'm accredited, is my total devotion is to my vets, and I'm going to move heaven and earth to get them there, and I'm not going to cheat, but I'm going to use everything in my power to get them advanced on the docket, to get them a better uh, seat at the table sooner rather than later. Uh, time is of the essence for a lot of us older folks. Yes, and it is. That, Very that, much so. Weighs so heavily on me. I have a World War II vet. I finally got him 30% for PTSD last Christmas. <laughs> they they fought him tooth and nail, and he had all the stuff in his records, but his VSO just didn't know how to present it. They thought yes. he was presenting it as a pension and turned him down. Gave him 30% on the pension, but it wasn't service-connected. So it just detracted from his Social Security check. It wasn't really a win. And uh, we finally got it changed around, but it's still wrong. They only give him 30%. And he's, yeah, sure, he's 94 years old. He's not working. <laughs> Don't know of many 94 year old guys that are, but he is totally disabled mentally. And so, yeah, he's, a, he's entitled to 100%. VA is going to fight him right up until they put him in the ground. And probably I'm hoping to get him to TDIU for maybe a year and a half before he passes so that his wife can get a. Uh, you know, a stipend or, or, or maybe DIC. She's in a, uh, what do you call it, a old folks home, recovering, because she fell down, broke her hip, and she can't live at home anymore. So they're separated in that respect. But they did not Alex, same you, way. Alex, would you be interested, and I'll talk to you about this more after the show maybe, would you be interested in taking on a claim that we tried to file for my buddy, uh, who was with me at Fort Greeley. He passed away uh, about seven or eight months ago from numerous cancers, but we had claims filed. They wouldn't even give us a C-file, would not make a decision. I tried to get him to get his congressman involved to help get his C-file and stuff. Uh, he ended up passing away. He, uh, he was only 64 years old. His wife, I feel, is due her widow's DIC pension. It wasn't the fault of the veteran of the denial process had fallen through the cracks. It was the VA regional office and their arrogancy, not giving a C-file, not giving any kind of a decision. We couldn't appeal it. We couldn't do anything. What do you think about trying to work with her, getting her a widow's DIC pension at this point? Do you I'll see you any you type like, of hope there? Now, here's what the problem is. I swore up and down when I got my accreditation I was not going to turn into a VSO and have 500 people in my file cabinet 
where I could only give each person about two minutes a day, and that when I seen them driving up the driveway, I was going to cut me a new driveway out the back and escape, <laughs> jump in my car and run when I see them coming up the driveway. Yeah. I, it would be very difficult for me to take any new claims on for one simple reason, is that if you can imagine it, over the last eight years I've helped a bunch of guys get there, so to speak, and all of them, virtually every last one of them is coming back to me now and saying, okay, can you help me make the final push to TDIU? I, you know, I'm at 60 or whatever it happens to be. You got me that far. But now that you're accredited, can you help me make the last hump up the mountain there? And how can I deny them? They're all almost personal friends. I know their wives. I know them. Many of them have sat down at my dinner table with me. And I'm in between a rock and a hard place like that right now. i got about 10 guys that I'm working with, three from my congressmen. And, and that's and a full dinner table because have a it may take on. 10 years to get their claims through to appropriately uh, adjudicate the veteran or his spouse or widow where she should or he should be. That's, well, I agree I, with you. I'd love to take the claim, but I'm just saying is that I don't think I could do it justice at this stage because it would all it would do is detract from my other veterans whom I've already made a vow or a promise to that I would. Good, good VSOs, I think the listening audience out there needs to realize good VSOs are very hard to come by, oh, and yeah. they are very hard to come by to get a very good VSO, and the ones that are are very busy and cannot take on much more than what they already have. That goes I without saying. I a, a post uh, or a blog article on my site here not too long ago. I'd have to go back and look it up, but I'm not sure. I counted all the VA agents, and I generally consider a VA agent to be a hell of a lot more savvy than some VA attorneys because, first of all, I looked, and there, there's got to be 10,000 VA attorneys, and there's like 350 VA agents. And I think most VA agents are like John Doyle and myself who have, uh, are you can almost recite Part three and part four uh, of the CFR in our sleep yes. backwards. I mean, I mean, you say, well, what's the regulation in 3.1 or 2? How do you know that? So, well, because I do. I don't know. It's just stuck in my head. I use it so frequently. Or you can quote a, a major decision by the Court of Veterans' Appeals on the presumption of soundness or something like that, or constructive possession of evidence as Bell versus Derwinski. You get all these little things in your head. And you just, they're, they're all attached to each other by little strings somehow, and they all come out when you tug on one, all of them pop out like a marionette. So you can use them to help veterans. I think VA attorneys, and I'm not putting any of them down because there are some really red hot ones, and I know them personally, and they're on my Rolodex, like Ken Carpenter and Bob Walsh and Katrina Eagle and some of the others. Uh, they're fantastic. They, they, they can... Uh, turn water to wine for a veteran. It amazes me. It makes me feel like a rank amateur. And uh, But then again, there's a wealth of these VA attorneys who just because they have a Juris Doctorate, they can march right into the field and be approved by VA without any kind of testing or any knowledge and start operating as a VA attorney and know absolutely nothing about how VA jurisprudence is applied or how it, how it works pro or against a, a veteran. VA agents come up through the ranks, literally like the enlisted, man. They're like the sergeant major versus a shaved tail butter bar. Uh, yeah, it makes makes me so sad because we have so many veterans and so few people able that are qualified to literally try to help that veteran or the widow or the spouse, whichever. Well, and it's very sad. get there, and finally I had some attorneys look at me at the NOVA conference last year and says, why don't you have your accreditation? You're red hot. You know more than I do. And I look at them and I said, no, I don't. And he says, well, I wouldn't bullshit you. Yeah, you do. You know more than me. I hate to say it. And I've had my lawyer's degree for 10 years, but, I, you know, 
I don't know that much about VA law without having to go look it up to go read it and, and refamiliarize myself with it. And you have it right at your tip of your fingertips, like an eidetic memory. I don't know how I do it, but I spent eight years helping all these guys win, and then finally it, it dawned on me, well, you know what, the, hey, it doesn't cost a penny to take the test. What's the worst you can do? Flunk? You take it again, less than six months. It, it, then you kind of got a better idea. I know I know that when I went to take the uh, administrator's test to become an electrician back in 94, I'm not, or 74, rather, I'm not proud about it, but it took me three tries to pass it. So I'm, I'm no stranger to being hard-nosed or hard-headed about what I'm doing, but I swear to God, the VA test, if, if you learn even one-tenth of what I did, you could probably pass it. I aged it, and I really thought I was going to tear me a brand new you-know-what, but it kind of struck me as odd that I knew everything they were asking. They phrase it a little tricky. But I know so many guys on Had It that could qualify and do what I'm doing. There's a gal named Lots of Spots, Vicky. She is. She knows everything I know. I, 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 she calls me up all the time and says, what would you do if this happened? I said, well, I'd do that. And she says, well, yeah, that's exactly what I was thinking. So that tells me she could do it. She could pass the test. There's a couple others like that. And uh, as I said, what, what's the worst that could happen? That you'd be embarrassed? You don't have to tell anybody you flunked it. Just put your nose down and ram it again. Run in it. Run at it. Take a fly at it again. It, you're going to pass it, and when you do then you can do what I'm doing. And it's so satisfying to be able to just go online and look at a, at a C file. You don't have to fight with them to get them to mail it to you. You can just view it online. Uh-huh. It's, a, it's a whole new world out there. It, it's getting better. For veterans, it's, it's taking more time at, on appeal, but it's getting better at the regional office level in as much as they, they can't hide it from you. They can't deny you the information. It's... It's an exciting time to be alive. That's what I got yes. to say about. Uh, Alex, one thing uh, I want to talk to you uh, and, let, and let you know about is the the CNP exams, and I, I'm going to say this from experience, uh, and see if you have something to add to this. But the CNP examinations, which to the veteran is the compensation pension examination. Let's say it is given uh, from the regional office or one of the clinics, let's say. The veteran has no problem getting that CNP examination. He just goes to the, to the clinic, requests a copy, bang, he gets it. But it's a brand new ball game when you get a contract company like QTC or Logistics Information Services or Veterans Evaluation Services, one of the many uh, contract companies. I have only been able to get my hands in a timely fashion on a CNP examination by going to my congressman and asking them to to tell the VA that they request the copy. I've been able to get it and get it fairly quick, within less than 30 days. I have not had success in any other format of getting a CNP exam from a contract company. Can you expound on that a little bit maybe in your experience? And you see any other ways to get a hold of it? I'll, show, I'll tell you. I know exactly what they're doing on that one. They have 90 days to conduct the examination from the time of the VARO releases it, turns it over to CNP services to schedule the inspection and detection CNP where you actually go and sit and the guy gets his goniometer out or whatever and takes the history. He's got 90 days from that day that they do that exam to produce it, type it up, print it, get the doctor to do the electronic signature on it, and get it back to the regional office. Unless there's a high interest rider on it, like congressional interest, or you called up uh, Allison Hickey and she said, okay, you idiots, what are you doing out there in, in Fort Harrison, Montana? Give the guy a CNP. You get it uh, graded and back to the uh, the regional office in 
10 days because, you know, you stepped on your necktie. We mailed it to the wrong address six months ago, and now Congressman What's-His-Butt is screaming at the top of his lungs, and he's on the Veterans Affairs Committee, so we got to get this thing out tomorrow. That's the only thing that's going to speed it up past 90 days. Otherwise, they got a 90-day contract to produce it. Well, here's where I'm going to just stick the biggest needle in this whole little project, and it's going to roll your socks down, and I'm going to tell you the truth. Six out of ten times, they use the wrong DBQ. That's just going to – I'm sorry to say it, but you can ask for muscle uh, – metal fragment wounds, muscle injuries, DBQ. You can file for muscle uh, shell fragment wounds or whatever. All of a sudden, you go back after 90 days later or 95 days or whenever you get that – DBQ back that you've asked for a copy of, you get it back and you read it and you discover they did a DBQ on peripheral neuropathy of your extremities. <laughs> did a, yeah. a DBQ on musculoskeletal injuries in the 5,000 uh, 5, diagnostic code range instead of the 5,300 diagnostic code range. They didn't look at muscle injuries. Or they went over into the skin in 4.118 and started rating on the residuals of your scars from the muscle fragment uh, injuries, all of which are all well and fine, but they aren't the seminal DBQ that you need done, which is Diagnostic Code 5300 series of musculoskeletal injuries, and which you take sideways, go take 4.173A and turn it into a rating. They they do this. I don't know whether they do it on purpose. Who checks off the box for which DBQ to use? But the worst one I've had yet is I've got a guy who's got uh, everything wrong with in the world with him, and he's Manila. I, I talking to him, dealing with him, and dealing with the Manila RO. It's like smoke signals, green firewood, and a wet blanket. Uh, communications take a month or 45 days back and forth by mail. I don't know why they don't email me, but they don't. They were doing DBQs of peripheral neuropathy on a guy when he was having grand mal seizures, and they're trying to tell him, well, he can still stand up when he makes a transfer from his bed to his wheelchair, so (laughs) it, it can't be said that he's lost the use of his lower extremities. But if you're walking along, all of a sudden you have a grand mal seizure, you fall down and hit your head and get a TBI number 14, and you're out of it for two and a half weeks in a hospital, for all intents and purposes, it pays to stay in a wheelchair than you get up and try to ambulate around and say you still have locomotion. So he retires to a wheelchair, and they say, yeah, but he hasn't lost the use of his legs completely yet. And I got down to the point where I'm arguing with the VA examiner, and I happen to look down at the DBQ, and I go, whoa, hold the phone. We got the wrong thing here. We should be looking at the Parkinson's one. We should be looking at the the, uh, neurologist uh, DBQ here for neuropathy because it's not peripheral neuropathy. He doesn't have diabetes mellitus. He's not losing his, his extremities due to uh, nerve damage, it's not that at all. And once they did a DBQ, 10 days later, they said, you're absolutely right. Here you go, R2, $8,400 a month. Very simple. Hmm. Sometimes it's just understanding, finding out what they did wrong and correcting it and telling them how to correct it. And that's what I don't like about DBQs, and I don't like the whole process. Well, there's not an opinion process that's working for the veteran because there's not anything in there that gives as least as likely as not uh, for the doctor to call for. So right there we see it's flawed. And then the raider back at the central office becomes a doctor, puts on his little Dr. Kildare stethoscope around his neck, and proceeds to pretend he's got a, a, J, a MD after his name and says, no, it's least likely than more likely that this is related to the service. 
But he's not a doctor, and he's making a decision medical in nature based on what the doctor has determined in a physical sense. Exactly. We see this over and over again. The doctor Uh, should be the one saying, well, you know, in my considered opinion, it's more likely than less likely that this is related to the service. Well, if that were the case, the VA would need about another $150 million a year to pay out all the people they owe money to. They're not prepared for that. They can't get it. There's no money in it. And exactly. there sure ain't no money for bonus awards if you, if you start actually paying veterans what you owe them. That's well, a, that's Alex, if, if, the, if the veteran, I think this is an important uh, 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 situation to come up since the DBQs started, and we've seen this trend going that way. VA is also using, in some cases, since the VA has control of a contract CMP from, let's say, QTC or Logistics Evaluation Services or or uh, Veterans Evaluation Services. These companies have the CMP exam to the regional office at their property. What they end up doing, since the veteran doesn't know how to get a copy of it and can't unless he gets a congressman involved and pulls a congressional, what ends up happening then is the the RO, the DRO, Decision Review Officer in that regional office, will just say, well, you do not have all of your medical files. And they're right. But it wasn't fault of the veteran. It was fault of the of the regional office. They never got gave that C&P, so he has an incomplete uh, medical file that, therefore, they uh, base it uh, oh, and, and say that in their in their terminology and in their uh, rationale and in their denial. It's going to produce a denial. And uh, well, that, I mentioned to you a minute ago I that sometimes they use the wrong flavor of DBQ. Let me give you another example of what they did. They did give one of my guys here a muscular exam, and they sent him in there, and they took about 100 pictures of him with the x-rays and everything. And so I'm reading the DBQ, and it says, uh, was this gentleman ever hit by any uh, injured by multiple fragment wounds or something? No. No. Was Did he ever get hit by a gunshot? No. No, no wounds due to combat. No. Zero, 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 zero. And it gets all the way down to the end. I'm going, well, wait a minute, man. This guy can't get through the airport without getting tackled and held down with the, where they start waving the wand over him and wondering why he's glowing in the dark. And uh, he gets down to that one last seminal question on that DBQ. He says, were the x-rays reviewed? No. How are you going to win if you don't complete the exam? Correct. In he, they he, rule it as non-probative. Non-probative. Well, in 1970, he showed up. He, and they, they didn't take any x-rays of him. All they did is they looked at his skin and said, well, you got a whole shit ton of healed uh, wounds from where you can see where all the little pieces of metal went into you, and they debrided you, and, and, and your skin's all healed up. So you get 0%, because if you add up all those little teeny-weeny scratches that are look like scars on you, they don't come up to six square inches, and that would be a 10% rating. They didn't look inside the muscle group at the x-rays and see all these little pieces of metal, which each each muscle group's worth 40% on the dominant side of your body, 30 on the other side of, on the non-dominant. But they couldn't see the metal. They didn't take any x-rays, and they didn't have any records saying, well, here's his Purple Heart and his Combat Infantryman's badge and all that. They just see a guy with a whole bunch of healed scars. Hell, maybe you stand next to a hot water tank and... Fort Greeley, and it exploded. It wasn't in combat, and and they can't see any metal, and we're not going to need to take any x-rays because it looks like he's all healed up. That's what you're dealing with with the VA. They don't want to find the problem. They they stare at the ceiling. They stare at the floor. They don't stare at you because then they'd have to see the disability. There's not enough money. Okay. We've run out of time here. I'm uh, sorry. Uh, that's okay. That's okay. <laughs> uh, uh, by golly, we'll have to continue this at another time. 
And I, it sure was interesting. Alex, I appreciate you being in here and call and coming on tonight. Well, you're and welcome Bill, to call uh, me any old well, time you want to. Just don't call me late for dinner, Gerald. No, okay, I won't. I'll call for, for, for dinner. Uh, <laughs> and, Bill, thank you for calling in. You're welcome. I hope you learned something. Yeah. Uh, oh, yeah. Alex is, folks, Alex is the real deal, and you really need to uh, put these shows archived like they are where the veteran can pull them up because I'm telling you, if a veteran can just go back and listen to all these shows, somewhere we've talked about you, your condition, your injury, your wounds, and could sustain that through the process to get you your benefits. That's exactly right, Bill. And that's the uh, reason uh, T-Bird is archiving them, and it's a good thing. Uh, John, I appreciate you being in there as uh, uh, co-host, and uh, I think we better be signing off. Uh, <laughs> yeah, we should. <laughs> I think we're a little overdue. Uh, we're we're into overtime, so okay, uh, ladies and gentlemen, this will be Gerald Cook uh, with the Added Podcast. We'll be signing off for now. Thank you, Gerald, John, Alex. It's time for You've been listening to the Hadit.com Blog Talk Radio Show, sponsored by Hadit.com. All opinions expressed here are the opinions of the individuals appearing on the show and are not the opinions of Hadit.com or Blog Talk Radio. Tune in next time for another edition of Hadit.com Blog Talk Radio and the Ask Basher Show.